0: Like some people want, you know, they want impact, they want to change the world, they want to change thousands
1: of lives.
0: (laughs) I just want to fly first class and not think about the price.
1: (laughs) This is The Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What's up, my friends? Welcome to The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. This is episode 46. Uh, And I don't know what's going on. I've spent the last few episodes talking about my irregular sleeping patterns. And I'm sure you're all getting tired of it. But I'm not getting tired of it because I can't figure out what's going on. Uh, I talk about it in the episode today with Laura Belgray, whom we'll get to in just a minute. But that was because I recorded this episode with her last Friday, the same day I recorded the last episode of the show. Where I woke up in the middle of the night for no apparent reason... And I just don't know what's going on. So some days I'm like uh, waking up super early for no reason. Other days I can't sleep. Like last night, I couldn't sleep at all. I was up until like six in the morning just because I I could not fall asleep. And I have no idea why. I don't know what's going on. It's it's the weirdest thing. I haven't had this many issues with sleeping in in like 10 years since I was in my mid-20s. But that was a completely different story. I, I went through a couple of years in my mid 20s where I had extreme insomnia. Was popping Ambien like it was magic money-making pills. And uh, but it, it went away because it wasn't wasn't biological. I wasn't having any sort of you know physical issue with sleeping. I had just been dumped by a girl. And yes, I am that kind of sappy romantic where you know i was in this relationship and i was dumped by this girl and i I quit my job and moved three thousand miles away and started life over it felt like the the gesture that needed to be made of course it was a well i kind of had to quit my job because she was my boss so (laughs) uh, i wouldn't recommend that if you're listening and you're contemplating Getting into a relationship, a messy, dramatic relationship with a co-worker, and let alone someone who's your boss, don't do it, because uh, it can wreak some havoc in the workplace, shall we say. That's an understatement, an extreme understatement, because havoc it did wreak, I will say. So anyway, yeah, I quit my job and moved across the country, and, and I had a lot of trouble sleeping during that period of my life. But now everything should be fine. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm having the the problem sleeping that I am. So I'm I'm back to recording these intros at my normal time, which is late at night before I publish the episode. The last few episodes I've done kind of early in the morning. Uh, I'd get up and and do it then. Uh, but I'm back to I'm back to normal. Ho- hopefully, maybe that was it maybe this attempt to be a morning person because all the productivity people talk about how, uh, you should be a morning person that it's, it's better for your creativity and your mind. I don't know. Seriously. I I don't, I'm not sure they're right. Uh, I mean, there, there seems to be some good evidence that they're telling the truth there, but it just does not work for me. As hard as I try to be a morning person, it just doesn't work and it gets everything all out of whack. So I'm back to embracing the nighttime me, whatever that means. Basically, it means that I stay up late. So and, and I can do that because I work for myself so I can I can set my own hours and my full time job is doing this podcast and making this course that I'm not making so I can stay up late if I want to. My wife is gracious enough to take the kids to school in the morning. We're kind of alternating years. You know, I took them to school the first year, picked them up. She's doing it this year. I guess next year will be my turn again. I don't know, but she's doing it this year. So I have no reason to be up super early. So I'm, I'm staying up late and doing my stuff then and sleeping in a little bit, which is the way I prefer it anyway. As I said, we've got Laura Belgray on the show she is the person behind TalkingShrimp.com. You can go there and check it out. Uh, she's got an amazing brand with Talking Shrimp. And, and I don't remember how I discovered her website. We get into this a little bit in the conversation, but somehow I did discover it. And I was very impressed with uh, how well she had put together her brand as a writer. And I got on her newsletter and I've enjoyed her newsletter ever since I've been on it and almost immediately I reached out to her to be on the show and she said no she was busy and I just kept emailing her and bugging her until she finally said yes (laughs) so we were finally able to record this and I'm excited to release it because it was a really fun fun conversation I really really like Laura we have a lot we have it was it was really one of those weird things where you have so much in common with someone uh she lives in The Village in Manhattan, which is my favorite part of Manhattan, and we have very similar tastes and authors and reading material and entertainment, and as I told her in the episode, it kind of gives me some hope because I think she's a great writer, and since we tend to consume similar media, then maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something there that will click one day, and I will be a good writer. I don't know. I, 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 I think that it has to do probably more with consistent effort than just something clicking someday. But I'm not big on the whole consistent effort thing, so <laughs> I'm gonna wait for the thing to click. Hopefully, that is what will happen for me. Who knows though? It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And uh, Laura is, uh, as I said, a writer, and she started out her career writing for TV. And then started writing for entrepreneurs, helping entrepreneurs craft their brand and even even naming, naming and taglines and all that kind of stuff. She does all that stuff. And it was a lot of fun to talk to her and kind of, I don't know, just uh, just kind of nerd out about writing a little bit in life. It, it, it was just, it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed getting her take on some of the stuff that we talk about on the show over and over again. So we'll get to that in a minute. I'm sure you're going to love that. If you didn't know, I've got this course about podcasting. I've decided to start mentioning it on the show at least once or twice. People have told me that I never talk about it, so I should mention it here. You can't buy it at the moment. It's, It's sort of in a beta launch mode. But hopefully that will end soon here in the next week or so. And then it will be available for purchase. So if you're into podcasting, if you want to know how to do it and more than just how to start a podcast, but how to grow a podcast and how to attract an audience and how to attract the right audience and all that kind of stuff, then that that's what I'm doing in this course that I've made called Irresistible Podcasting. And you can find that at irresistiblepodcasting.com. And right now all you can do is sign up to be on the newsletter to be notified when it launches. But uh, do that. I'm going to be turning that site into something more than it is right now. It's just a sales page, but I'm going to start writing there, podcasting there. I've got a new show in the works for that site and other stuff. So if you're at all interested in this whole podcasting thing, go to IrresistiblePodcasting.com and check it out. Get on the list. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I'm going to be going to some conferences this year. All right, when I first got into web design and development years ago, the first year I went to every single web conference I could go to because I knew that it was important to establish relationships with people. And that was going to make a difference in how well I was able to do in my career and and I was right. It made it made all the difference in the 6 years I spent designing and developing websites. So as I've kind of transitioned into a more content-focused, product-focused business this year, multiple businesses actually, you know, I'm going to hit up some conferences and I'm not sure which ones I'm going to go to. So if you're going to any, uh, I would love to know which ones because I'm trying to decide which ones to go to and I'd prefer to go to ones where you guys are going to be, where we could meet in person, have a beer, have coffee, whatever, just hang out. So I haven't decided yet. If if you're going to be at any conferences this year in this sort of online business content marketing space, then hit me up and let me know at adam.avclark.com, or you can reach me on Twitter at avclark there. I'd love to go to some where some other people are going to be. I mean, that's really the whole point of the conference. It's not the speeches or the keynotes. I mean, all that stuff you can find online. It's really just about connecting with people which is what I want to do, but I don't know which ones to go yet, which ones to go to yet. Uh, The conferences in this industry are a whole lot more expensive than the web industry conferences, so I've got to kind of pick and choose a little more carefully than I did when I got into web design. So if you're going to any, hit me up, let me know, help me decide. Help me decide which ones I should go to because I can't decide at the moment. And lastly, well, actually, I don't have a lastly. I don't know why I just said that. There is no lastly. That was it. That's really all I've got tonight. It's Sunday night. Had an okay day, except that I didn't sleep at all last night, so I kind of slept all morning. But uh, yeah, there is no lastly. So let's just get to the conversation with Laura. It was a good one. I had so much fun with it. I'm really glad she came on the show and was willing to do it. So we'll be right back with that after this quick word from our sponsors. Daily is brought to you by Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. Now, I'm not just saying that. I've been a Hover customer for years. And when I first discovered Hover, I moved all my domains over to Hover immediately. You want to know why? Because they have a phone number. I mean, how many domain name registrars do you know that has a phone number that you can call and speak to an actual human without a long hold time? And get any question you need answered. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but that meant a lot to me. And in fact, that's intentional. I talked to Michael Keshen, who works at Hover, and here's what he had to say.
2: I keep a close eye on the social media interactions and and do many of them myself. And what I notice is, um, we'll get a lot of people who, you know, they'll be having some sort of problem with with a competitor of ours, and they'll say, "Oh, I won't name a name, but you know, this company." you know, they're telling me I have to wait, blah, 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 and they can't help me with whatever. And then then the response from them is like, sorry about that, we'd be happy to help you with ticket number, blah, blah, blah. Like it's just completely (laughs) not personalized at all. And then, you know, someone will come in and say, dude, go to Hover now, please, you know, like they'll help you with whatever. And then even I'll jump in sometimes uh, on behalf of Hover and say, totally, yeah, we'll be glad to help you call us right now with whatever
1: so if you're like me and you care about that personal touch then trust me go to Hover.com and try it out I don't think you'll be disappointed and if it's your first purchase at Hover use the promo code TGM at checkout and get 10% off your order The Gently Man is also sponsored by Harvest Harvest is a business tool for time tracking beautiful invoicing and generating reports I've used it for many years myself, and whether you're a freelancer or a large team, Harvest has you covered. I called up Danny Wen, one of the co-founders of Harvest, and issued him the 20-word challenge. Give me Harvest in 20 words or less without any buzzwords or, you know, industry speak, if you will.
2: I'll try my best, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been doing this, but, um, okay, so Harvest uh, at, at its core is a time tracking and invoicing and now time planning application. So, uh, we help um, anyone in professional services, uh, people in consulting and design and development, uh, really get a hold of their business, know where their time is going, and also bill for their time and get paid for it. So, in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what we do
1: cool. Except that was like a hundred (laughs) words.
2: I told you it's been a while, man. That's
1: okay. That's okay. Okay. So maybe harvest can't be summed up in 20 words, but it's an amazing tool. And it's probably the number one thing I could not live without in my business. If I had to cancel any of the handful of monthly Services that I use, Harvest would be the last one to go. I love it. I use it almost every single day. And as a designer, it's a delight, an absolute delight to use. So go to getharvest.com and sign up. Your first month is already free, and you can get 50% off your second month by using the promo code TGM. Again, that's getharvest.com. And thanks to them for sponsoring the Gently Math. boys and girls. You're ready to talk to Laura Belgray? I'm ready. It was a fascinating conversation. She is really a fascinating woman, and I really, really, truly enjoy talking to her. I say that about everyone on the show, but it's true of everyone. I don't talk to people that I don't want to talk to, so I never really have an episode that I didn't like, but I really enjoyed this one with Laura. It was more, it was just fun. It was fun talking to her, And I didn't realize that we have as much in common as we do, but as I said, we kind of nerded out about writing a little bit, and it was fun to hear her story about growing up in New York and some crazy experiences there and how she got to where she is as uh, a full-time freelance writer. So uh, I'm not going to give away any more details. Let's just get into it. Here's my conversation with Laura Belgrade.
0: Hi, Adam.
1: How are you? Good. Well, I'm not that great. I woke up at like... I've been up since 3.30.
0: Oh, Jesus. Why? I'm
1: a fucking old man. That's why. It's, It's 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 turned into... I've started... I've crossed the... You know that point where you get old enough where you start going to bed early and you wake up early in the middle of the night for no apparent reason?
0: Yeah. I thought that only happened to women. I didn't know. Or maybe you're going through the change.
1: Maybe I am. Maybe it's early, early thirties male menopause or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is.
0: Thirties is not. Thirties is not old enough to be having that.
1: Menopause. I know that. I know that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you I haven't. I just. I talked about it on my episode today. I was like, "What's going on?" I didn't expect for this to happen for at least another twenty five years or so.
0: Right. Like now, you're going to be the guy who putters around the garden and um, tends to your tomatoes. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yeah, no, you're up. I went to bed at like 930 last night, which was another odd, you know, like 930. He goes to bed at 930. So for that's some a, reason,
0: it's time for a nap. That's not yeah. when you go to bed. That's like a disco nap time.
1: I know. For some reason, I just was like, I would got the kids in bed. I was like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. And I woke up at 330, just alert, ready, you know, not no coffee or anything. It's like, this is the transition. This is what's, I mean... My body's already falling apart and this is the last piece of that puzzle into old age is now I start, you know, going to bed early and getting up early for like I said for no reason.
0: It's terrible getting up at that hour. <laughs> it does it does no good. I mean, it's one thing if you're getting on a flight. Yeah. And then you can sleep on the flight, you know, and it's for it's for a good reason, but if I get up at that hour my whole day is shot. There's nothing useful I'm going to do that early.
1: Are you a um late night person, morning person?
0: Um, I'm a late night person and okay. I'm never a morning person yeah, see, I was I'm, a morning person for like um, for like maybe a month last year I thought maybe a change had happened and I'd become a morning person but I think it was just jet lag Yeah, from Europe
1: yeah exactly I see I'm the same way and everyone always talks about you know you, you gotta you know you do your best work in the morning and, and all this kind of stuff and it's worth trying to do this morning routine thing. I've never mm. been able to make it stick. I've tried multiple times, but I'm like 35 <laughs> now and it hasn't stuck, but now it's just happening out of my control. You know, maybe it's right. a fluke. Maybe it's just a fluke. I don't know. I'm hoping that's what it is. Cause if, if I, if this happens at this age, that's uh, pretty scary to me.
0: Right. You're headed for incontinence at 40. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, I think I'm, <laughs> I've, I've been headed that way for a long time, but I don't know. So, Anyway, I'm, I'm glad that you're you're finally we're, we're finally doing this. I've been on your newsletter for a while and I really like your writing and sense of humor. And I Thank thought uh, it'd be great to to uh, talk about that.
0: Are we recording <laughs> right now? Or do you want Yeah, it's, it's already started. It's already started. So this is the podcast. Like this is the show. Yeah. It. OK, that's great. I'm all for that. I want to I mean, because I I could talk about sleep problems all day if you want to stay in there. <laughs> You just direct the conversation how you want to. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a good sleep last night. So I, I might be just in the state that you want me where I say things I regret.
1: <laughs> that's the best. That is absolutely the best. When a guest <laughs> at like some point in the show, a guest goes, I can't believe I'm talking about this. You know, right. that's when I know I've accomplished my my goal. You're you. Um, the 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 one you wrote recently about the 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 flight and the canceling and all that did that happen recently do you i mean do, the stuff you write yeah. about is it all of the moment
0: uh not always this one was immediate um pretty immediate it happened just last weekend i was supposed to go on my flight was scheduled for friday the 13th yeah uh, in March. And I thought, well, that's not a very good idea. And I thought that's a stupid thing to even consider. Like how many flights are going to go out on Friday the 13th? Millions. Right. And, you know, are really, are they all going to crash? Um, but sure enough, uh, my flight was, I found out, I found out, uh, the night before that my flight to Costa Rica was, possibly hanging in the balance because a volcano had erupted near San Jose and covered the airport in ash. And my host, whose name is Ash, coincidentally, um, or not coincidentally, (laughs) she (laughs) let me know. She's like, oh, no, this can't be happening. Um, Here's a link to uh, all the flights that are canceled. Let's keep an eye on it. So far, yours isn't on it. And I just knew I just knew, even though my flight never appeared on the list of canceled flights, I just knew it was going to happen. I knew I was getting up at 4 a.m. for nothing, which is a horrible tragedy in my life, like to get up at 4 a.m. for nothing.
1: (laughs) I know that's and that's the worst, too. Like in your article, you wrote how the plane took off and then pretty much immediately turned back around. So you've already gone through most of the shitty parts of flying. You know,
3: all
0: the shitty parts. And all and, the and then,
1: parts. yeah, you did all that. And then it didn't happen.
0: And then it didn't happen. No, we got, you know, boarded the plane, went through security. I had to take off my shoes, <laughs> which is always terrible because I always have an argument in my head about how, like, why aren't the 70 year olds um, forced to take off their shoes? What's the difference? You know, what, like what makes me more uh, likely to be a terrorist than that 70 year old? And. You know so all the all the stress of security and internal monologues about how stupid it is, and then waiting at the gate um, yeah. and thinking about my seat, I had gotten a premium seat you know one of the premium leg extra leg room extra charge seats yeah. that I found out didn't recline really I'm already, yeah that's crazy and then and then found out it didn't recline um and I'm making this sound like the worst flight in the world. It's just a normal boarding process. And we got on the plane <laughs> went through all that stuff. And then, yeah, the, the plane started to move and we were starting to go down the runway. And then the announcement comes on that we're headed back to the gate. Yeah. And that will have more information in a couple of hours. So I was in limbo in the airport for Man. several hours.
1: That sucks. Do you, do you travel a lot?
0: This winter I've been traveling a lot. I've been going on little girl trips. I like I like to go away with my husband. Yeah. We love traveling together, but he's in the restaurant business and he can't just take off every other weekend like I can. And I I was dying to get out of the cold. So, I've been to LA, I've been to um the Bahamas on my friend's private plane because she married a billionaire.
1: Oh, wow.
2: I've always like, you know what?
1: Happened. I've always mm-hmm. thought like uh like a private plane like, I'm afraid to go on one because then I already hate flying enough, you know, and if yeah. I was ever on like a private chartered whatever, I just think it would, it'd be so nice, like in the movies that I, then then I would just, you know, then I would just, every flight would be just that much worse.
0: It's a little scary. Really? I have to say, like the the bumps and, you know, all like every little bump feels a little more scary on a tiny plane than it does <laughs> on a big one. Um I always look to the flight attendant, whether, you know, whether I'm on a regular plane or a little one, look at the flight attendant and see if he or she looks scared. Right. And if not, I mean, I think they're very good at masking that, but I have been on a flight before a regu- regular commercial flight um, where it was a JetBlue flight where we were going through some crazy turbulence and the flight attendants all ran to the galley and sat on the floor really and that scared me yeah and then and nobody was saying anything and the the woman sitting next to me just had some people were praying and the woman next to me had a tear rolling down her cheek no one had said anything (laughs) that there was an emergency or anything like that but i was like did i miss an announcement did i have my headphones on and i just took my uh id out of my wallet and put it in my pocket in case they needed to identify the body.
1: <laughs> You're and, pre- then, you were preparing.
0: and then nothing happened. Yeah. Right. And then nothing ha- happened and nobody said anything.
1: Do you like do you get nervous? Are are you a nervous like are you nervous about flying in that way? Like, you know Yeah. Really? A
0: little bit. A little bit. I always remember that you'd have to go on like how many how many flights you'd have to go on, just like playing the lottery in yeah. order to actually lose your life. Like it would be, I, I remind myself that it would be the least efficient way to kill yourself (laughs) going on flight after flight after flight. And somehow that makes me feel better.
1: Totally. (laughs) Like I'm never, I'm never nervous about like flying even in turbulence or whatever. I don't know. I just, I don't have, I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'm, I'm just that cynical that I'm just like, whatever, you know, but (laughs) it's just the whole experience of flying in the last 15 years has gotten so terrible. Like I would literally, you know, I grew up in Atlanta and then I lived in LA for a long time and then moved back to the Southeast. And, and I would rather, you know, so I've gone, I've taken that flight a lot and I would rather spend a couple of days driving than flying. Mm-hmm. If I had the time, you know, that I right. would, even though it might cost the same amount with gas prices and hotels, I'd still rather take the extra time to drive somewhere than fly because it's just such a miserable experience. Like, they, I don't know what the, it's like. Someone made a rule that a plane cannot take off unless every single seat is full. It's like, do you remember or, like 20 years ago? Oh, I don't know how old you are, but across like the,
0: the seats. older than yeah. Thing. OK,
1: like yeah. the <laughs> late 90s, you know, and whatever oh. you would fly and the plane could be half full. It takes off. Then you go find an empty row. You can't do that anymore.
0: No, no, there's never an empty row. Once in a while there is. And you're like, how did I miss that one? Yeah. You know, you see the person under the blanket all stretch across. And like, God damn it. <laughs> that was my chance. You know, they moved from their row to that one. I see. So this is why I work um, and why I want to make money is because I want to fly first class. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't made it to that level yet, but I want to make it to a level where I just fly first class without really even thinking about it. yeah. Like some people want, you know, they want impact, they want to change the world, they want to change thousands of lives. <laughs> I just want to fly first class and not think about the price.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. I mean, you still have to go through, you know, the getting on the plane is still a big pain in the ass and the, the getting to the airport and just the whole hassle. But then once you're on it, at least like the experience of the flight is is a lot nicer.
0: Oh my God. Getting on the plane is not a problem when you're flying first class. It's a delight. You're the one called first. And then you sit there and you watch everybody troop past you miserably. That's true. Wave.
1: Have you ever flown oh. first class before?
0: Sure. I mean, I've gotten, I don't think I've ever paid for the ticket full out. It just seems yeah. like, you know, 10,000 bucks versus 1000. It's just, mm-hmm. I can't, um, but I've gotten upgrades, and it's amazing. And you're just like, how am I going to go back? I can't go back there again. And you do.
1: <laughs> it's like you that. It's, it's like that episode of Se- Do you remember that? Are you oh, a Seinfeld fan? Yes,
0: absolutely. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Clinking champagne glasses, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> eating real ice cream out of a bowl with like silverware. Yeah. You Get treated like a human, and it feels like such a luxury.
1: That's so funny. See, I don't travel much anymore just because that's one reason. Like I just I hate the experience of flying these days. And also, I just don't like to travel. Like I'm totally a homebody. And that's why I asked you if you travel a lot or if you enjoy okay. doing that or is is the traveling. You said this winter, it's been more like vacation stuff. But do you like traveling um, just for pleasure or is it more yes. work stuff?
0: Just for pleasure. I rarely travel for work. If I do, you know, if somebody asked me to travel for work, first of all, all of that has to be paid for and um, as comfortable as possible. Yeah. And I'm not a driver, so it can't be to a place where I'm going to have to rent a car and what, go what, find something.
1: What do you mean you're not a driver? Like you don't like <laughs> driving or you don't have a license or what?
0: Okay, <laughs> I'm a New Yorker, which yeah. isn't really an excuse. Most New Yorkers I know can drive, but we learn late. Yeah. Um, and it never becomes a habit. And I am not good at it. Mm. And so I have a license and I renew it every time it has to be renewed so that I never again have to take the test because I'd fail. Yeah. But here's how I look at it. If you're not that good at something that can kill people, if you're not that good at it, then you shouldn't do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and there are a lot of people who aren't that good at driving and do it anyway. But I feel like it's my responsibility not to do it not yeah. to be on the road and i like to be a passenger anyway
1: so you 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 grew up born raised in new york mm-hmm. and and i guess not just in new york but like new york city like where you new don't, york city don't need to drive that's right. that's amazing i i i never quite made it there i was gonna move from la to new york but i uh it was it was it's a long it was a it's a long thing I, I i moved back to the southeast to stay with a friend over the summer this was, I don't remember how, how many years ago, and I was going to then meet up with another friend in New York, and we were going to move to New York, but that summer, back in the Southeast, I uh, i met my now wife, so I never made it back out of the Southeast, so I never had my uh-huh. chance to live in New York City, but I spent a lot of time there, and like to me, it's the ultimate place, because it's the only, I don't know, maybe there's, I'm not very well Uh, versed in Mm -hmm. geography and international cities, but uh, I don't know of any other city like New York City where you truly could not uh, ever need a car. I mean, that's like a dream of mine to live in a place where I I would not ever have to own a car and I could pretty much walk anything I needed to get to.
0: It's true. You really don't. You can go your whole life without getting in a car if you live here.
1: Yeah. Well, part of uh, what part of the city do you live in?
0: I live in the village, Greenwich Village Twelfth oh, um, Street. yeah that's Which, my with, favorite
1: part of of the whole city yeah. too.
0: It's a great part of the city. I always wanted to live here. It was until maybe a year or two, year, or like I'd say a year or two ago, like the coolest part of New York to live in. Now um, all of Manhattan is for losers because all the cool people are in Brooklyn. <laughs>
1: I don't know, though. Like when I visited, yeah, there, you know, Brooklyn was supposedly the place to be Williamsburg, all that stuff. And but I just never I never really liked it that much. Like when my wife and I would visit, you know, we would always stay like on Sullivan Street or Washington, uh, right near Washington Square there. yeah, And which is just one of my favorite spots. And we take the train over to Brooklyn and walk around and stuff, but it just, it had such a different, like, I just didn't like it. And I'm probably offending anyone who lives in Brooklyn right now, but <laughs> I, I just didn't really, it just wasn't my thing. Like it, it, it didn't feel, is it, um, it didn't feel as walkable. Is that true? Or is that just, right. I landed in a spot that just happened not to be.
0: There are big stretches of it that are not that walkable or they're walkable, but feel kind of either industrial yeah. or weirdly desolate or um, just straight, you know, and there's networks of underpasses and overpasses and places where you're like, am I supposed to be walking here for sure? (laughs) And there are lovely neighborhoods, beautiful brownstone neighborhoods and a lot of cute restaurants and um, stuff like that. Williamsburg, if you were in Williamsburg, it's not very pretty there. It's very industrial Some people love. um, Now it's just full of yahoos who, you know, are just out of college working on Wall Street. It's for douchebags right right now.
1: (laughs) Nice. Pretty much. Nice. No, I, I, um, my wife and I even talked about it. We we both really liked, um, liked it whenever we visited. But one thing was the cost. I mean, we were staying in, like, I researched some places and it's just in the village, especially it's just so it was so like, it just didn't seem like it'd be possible, first of all, to afford to have, you know, any sort of decent lifestyle. And then the second part was, um, was kids, you know, it's like, "Ah, I just don't know. I mean, I would love, I would love to raise them in the culture of New York Mm -hmm. City, but I I kind of don't want to take away like the yard and the trampoline and the, you know, the, riding the bikes around and stuff that they wouldn't be able to do if we lived in Manhattan. Oh you know? man,
0: you would have to be so rich to have a yard and a trampoline <laughs> in Manhattan.
1: Yeah, totally. But it's not even that. It's like, like here where we live, we live in Tennessee. And I mean, it's, it's like the type of neighborhood where like the kids get home from school and then they immediately can turn around and run out the front door and they're, they're gone for the rest of the afternoon, just playing and, and, riding their bikes, playing with friends in the neighborhood. And, and we don't have to like keep an eye on them. You know, like it's just that kind of place Oh and yeah. that I, I didn't figure that that would ever
0: mm-hmm. exist in New York city. <laughs> it used to, people yeah. would let their kids, you know, out of the house and off the leash um, all the time from maybe age nine up go, you know, here's my, I mean, my mom would uh, give me bus money yeah. and a map. And say, here you go, you know, here's money for hot chocolate, um, and ice skating at Rockefeller Center, and she'd tell me how to get there on the bus, and then I would take a different bus to Times Square and play video games in the um in the arcade, which was called the Family Amusement Center, but it was <laughs> a place where drug dealers and perverts hung out and ten year olds <laughs> like me. <laughs> wow. And yeah. nice. And then I'd come back at the end of the day, come back in time for dinner, having been rubbed up on, by you know some dirty old man, and <laughs> having played my fill of Space Invaders and Donkey Kong and
1: yeah. happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, do you do you feel like it's um, uh has has the city? Well, I don't know how to put it. Like, since you were born and raised there, uh, well, I don't know. If, I was going to say if you had kids, but maybe you have kids, and I don't know. So
0: I don't. I okay. Don't have kids.
1: Well, if you did. Like, would you, would you still let them do that? Or has has the city changed? Like it really has, it's a different place now. Like you would not feel safe letting, you know, like how I old would they think. have to be before you would be like, you know, go out and do whatever you want to do for the afternoon.
0: But the city has changed in the absolute reverse way. It, I grew up here in the seventies. Mm-hmm. It was a pit. I mean, it it was, you had to carry mugging money with you. And just in case you got mugged and every kid, I didn't get mugged. Mostly boys got mugged, but every kid in my school got mugged, like every boy. Um, and there were gangs and there was, you know, crime was rampant and kids got kidnapped. There was one kid, Atom Pates, who's, you know, his case has recently come up again. He was famous for, he was six years old and famous for having disappeared, um, from Soho on his first day going to school. Hmm. by himself. And yet kids were allowed to roam free back then. So I'm not sure why the city has gotten incredibly safe and yet kids are now kept in a nanny's company until they're about 18. Yeah. It's absurd. I if I had kids, I'd like to think if I had kids, I would let them go out and play and have a normal, you know, cool independent New York City life, but who knows why everybody's keeping their kids
1: well, it's just that my what? wife and I have talked about that. Like we, she always joked that you know we were the last generation of what she said tough kids. But basically, I mean, we'd go out and ride bikes without helmets. I mean, we would disappear for the day in the woods. I mean, do things that parents would just never, <laughs> in their wildest dreams, consider these days. You know, it's right. it's it's, and I wonder where that culture has come from. Like I don't know. I it's, it's it's just I think back to my childhood and think the stuff that we were allowed to do. And we, we would get like, you know, defects called on us or something if we let our kids do that these days. It's just so, right. you know, it's so overprotective.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it comes from this whole attachment parenting thing. Maybe that has an effect on the parent, like keeping their kids in a sling yeah. against the body. Maybe it makes them never want to let the kids <laughs> go
1: out and play. Maybe. The, I don't know. I don't know. I well, you, you know, so when did you start writing? Was that, were you doing that even as a kid or did that become later?
0: You know, I was doing that as a kid. Like, I think I remember being 11 and being seen in my class as a writer. And I remember writing, I I was writing a novel in this little black book. And I would spend my free time, like, you know, on my bed, crafting this novel. It was a direct rip off of uh Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. I don't <laughs> I had no point of reference for it. I wasn't worried about originality. I was just really into it and I thought it was gonna be a great work. Um and I wrote a couple of other like bunch of stories and I I remember this one point, this is like this must have come up in therapy um the 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 reason why I stopped liking to write and why why I now have writer's block, but I remember uh a story that I wrote during the worst year of my life, which was sixth grade that was when the kids all decided to uh, gang up and hate me. <laughs> um, that happens to everyone once right I, right. I like to say yes um. <laughs> I remember the bully who had organized everybody to not like me reading my story and it was about a girl <laughs> who nobody liked. And yeah. she said, This is about you, isn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm like, uh, no. And she's like, It's totally about you. And I felt so exposed. And I think about that now sometimes when I'm like afraid to write about something on my blog or um you know, when I really want to write something, I think, what will people think all that? I think it all goes back to, back to that.
1: That's really funny. Like I always wanted to be a writer too. And when I was a kid that, I mean, that's what I spent my free time doing was reading and writing. And I tried to write my own choose your own adventure novels. You remember those? Oh, I love those. Yeah. But what I do that's is complex. like, yeah, exactly. Like I would get to one page and I would I would like say, you know, jump to page nine if you choose this. And then I would flip over nine pages and start writing. And and then I would, but I would work myself in and the whole thing would just become this uh, mess because uh, right. it was like it, I'd run out of pages. I'd get to page nine before I'd made the next choice. And, and it just got all too complicated. So I, I still have those notebooks around somewhere, but I never, uh, I never did it though. It's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a point where you like... There's a point up to which you feel like you can do anything when yeah. you're a kid, right? It doesn't occur to you that you're bad at it, yeah. that you're not good enough at it. Like even drawing too. I was like, I'm a really good drawer. You know, <laughs> ask any kid, like, are you the best drawer in your class? Um, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Except
0: for maybe one other person who's really good, but I'm the best. Yeah. You know, you, just, you think that way when you're a kid and then you reach some point, I guess, maybe it's the same point in adolescence where you start thinking you don't, um, you're not, you know, pretty enough or good looking enough or yeah, all those things. You become self-conscious and start seeing all your faults. Um,
1: it's it's weird. It's like, like for me, like the writing thing, I mean, as far back as I can go, like that's the thing mm-hmm. I always wanted to do, but it's also the thing that I've just never been able to do. And I think, I don't know exactly why it is. I think I was more just in love with the idea of being a writer and having like my name on the front of a novel mm-hmm. Yeah. And the actual work of writing, whenever I would sit down to try to write a story like I just couldn't do it. And so then I settled for, you know, uh, as a way to make myself not feel so bad about myself. I went into journalism and uh, uh-huh. I was like, I'm a writer. Finally, <laughs> it's a byline on a newspaper. It's not quite the same as a book, but it's it's a it's writing. Right. So. <laughs> But then that made me hate writing because I wrote all day as my job. So when I would go home, then I didn't do any more writing because it was uh, I was tired of it. But how did you, you know, what was the dream for you? Was it being like a like a novelist or, you know,
0: not really? I mean, I think by I run, you know, high school, I I felt like I wanted to work in TV in some way. I didn't know. I was also interested in advertising uh, I, I wanted to, I wanted to write something, but I was really afraid of the writer's life that didn't appeal to me at all. So I knew, I knew that writers sat in a lonely place, like in a garret at a typewriter all day <laughs> and didn't talk to anybody. And yeah. I knew that writers were surrounded by crumpled pieces of paper Yeah. that, that just represented their self-loathing. So... So I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my writing skills and it didn't really happen for me for a while. I mean I I started as an intern at Spy Magazine. I thought maybe magazines. I loved magazines. I liked Spy. That was a I don't know if you know Spy Magazine. It was mm-hmm. a satirical publication from out of New York in the 80s and 90s. And it was a really cool place to be It was like the cool magazine to work at. And I was an intern there, but I never really produced anything as an intern on the editorial side. I didn't have ideas. I didn't I didn't know how to come up with ideas. I just thought if I don't have an idea, I don't have an idea. I didn't know how to sit down and brainstorm and come up with things. And so I think I was seen as probably the least motivated, least productive intern of all time. (laughs) I was able to I was able to Xerox the gossip packets every day where like page six from the post and all that stuff for the editors and, and distribute them on desks. But that was about it. And then I got, I got hired on the advertising side when my internship was up writing, I started writing advertorials, uh, you know, if, in case, Anyone listening doesn't know what an advertorial is. It's an advertisement that looks like an article. Yeah. So I would write funny ones for, I think, for doers and other companies like that, like that, that looked like they were part of Spy Magazine. And they were kind of a hit there. And so they kept me on. Yeah. And I ended up going to New York Magazine, writing ad copy for them, ad sales copy. And from there, I a friend from Spy, who I talked to, I didn't like it very much in New York Magazine. I didn't like my job and what I was doing. Yeah. And a friend from Spy, um, who I had lunch with, told me that he was writing promos for VH1. And I said, what are promos? And he's like, they're the short little... Kind of advertisements on the network that tell you what shows to watch, or, or funny little things about the shows, or about the music. I said that's a job. Yeah. I, all I ever wanted to do was watch TV and get paid for it in some right. way. <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, that's a job." And he introduced me to his boss, who hired me to write my first promo. And
3: when, when was that? How there, long ago that, was that?
0: that, that That was in a long time ago. That was in
3: 1994.
1: Okay. So how how long did like, so what from there to (laughs) when you started talking shrimp and, you know, being self-employed and all that, you know, like what, what brought you to that?
0: Okay. So I got hired, uh, at Nick at night writing promos eventually, which was the place to write promos. It was like (laughs) their promos were so cool. And I couldn't believe I was working there. And I did a great job there for a while, but I'm not a very good employee. So I, I had worked it out so that I come in at 12. I was a permalancer, so I felt like that was my right. I wasn't on staff. I didn't get benefits. Um, and so I felt like it was it was well within my rights to come in when I wanted and leave when I wanted. And eventually they decided that didn't work for them. <laughs> And they said, I think, you know, we're going to have to hire you on a per project basis because it's not good for morale to have this one person waltzing in it.
3: Yeah. Every
0: day. Um, and so that was the first time I really went freelance. But I was still around the promo world for quite a while and kind of kept getting hired and then re-fired for that same reason. <laughs> uh, and, um, and then in 2009 – I was pretty much fully freelance in the promo world and I had to, you know, I decided it was time to have a real website with my reel up so I could get more work. Yeah. And I, ha- I was good friends then with Marie Forleo who is well known in the online marketing world and she, I was friends with her from, uh, from Crunch. We took hip hop together.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: And I, she knew I was making a website and she was like, well, you know, how are you going to, what's your opt-in? Like, what is an opt-in? Yeah. She told me I had to, she was like, are you kidding me? You have to build a list. (laughs) So here's how you do an opt-in. She did this on a, all on a yellow legal pad, like drew out how you sign up for a Weber and then how how you create an account and how you do an autoresponder and all this stuff. She mapped it out for me. And she was like, and, and, um, and what about your blog? Like, what about my, I don't have a blog. Yeah. So why aren't you blogging? So I, you know, I was like, "It's 2009. It's too late to start a blog, right?" She's like, "No, yeah. it's not." Uh, and so I started a blog. You know, I reconfigured the whole website per her instructions. And I didn't know what I was doing with this opt-in or or the blog or anything. But was it called I, Talking I guess,
1: Shrimp at the time? Had you already come up it with that was. name?
0: It was. I'd come up with that name just as a, it was really for tax purposes. Our, my accountant said, you and your husband should incorporate um, since you're both working in this sort semi-freelance way. He's in restaurants. I was a writer. We just came up with a name where the URL was available <laughs> and it didn't mean anything or it could mean anything and could apply to either of us. So we got yeah. Talking Shrimp.
1: How, how so did this, I mean, a, like, okay. I'm curious to know how, how that, like, what was that conversation? Like, how did you arrive at that name? I
3: think my
0: husband has a thing for talking animals. <laughs> okay. Like, if a dog on TV talks, he's like, what? And he rewinds it and has to show me and makes me watch. <laughs> he's yeah. like, they're wearing sweaters and talking. Um, and I make him sound like he's four, like a four-year-old girl. But... <laughs> So I think I looked up talking animals that wasn't available and looked up a couple. Oh, I think I looked up a t- talking everything to see which one, yeah, which one was available. Talking dog. No talking this. No, you know, talking lobster, uh uh-uh. talking koala. No talking shrimp is available. Yeah. So it was really about what URLs were still on the market. And um, I just liked the sound of it. And that was our. And that was our company name. Yeah. And so I built this whole, you know, this whole website and I I liked it. I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to brand myself. I'm talking shrimp. And, uh, I, Marie invited me to speak at her first live event, which was called rich, happy and hot live. She has since dropped a rich, happy and hot. (laughs) Um, and she, she invited me to speak about copywriting. So, I, and I, it wasn't really about copy, copywriting for the web necessarily. It was just copywriting in general. And I gave a presentation based on my five non-sucky tips for, five tips for non-sucky copywriting, which is my opt-in, always has been. Yeah. And, um, and people really responded to it and loved it and started hiring me. These were entrepreneurs, started hiring me to help them with their website copy and their emails and all that stuff. And so that arm of my business just kind of came about by accident, which is such an obnoxious thing to say because I know people really struggle to build this kind of business. Sure. But but it did. I wasn't planning on it. I didn't know that that was a market. I didn't know that that world existed until Marie sort of brought me into it, invited me into it. And so that's become a huge part of my business. Most of it, in fact. I still
1: yeah, I was going to say like, what, what percentage would you is how is it divided now between the, the TV writing? Because you' got the both the, I mean those are the kind of the two the divide on your website is the TV writing and yeah. then the entrepreneurial stuff.
0: Exactly. I would say it's about half and half. It depends on the time of year, hmm. honestly. There, there are times of year when the TV networks all clamor for help. Yeah, especially during upfront season, which is when they do these big presentations to advertisers and say here's what you know they'll rent out a hotel ballroom and do a huge tape and a dog and pony show and say here's what we've got on our here's what we've got on the slate for the year here are all the great shows we've got coming up so you should buy time on our air yeah so they they all call me for help with um writing that kind of stuff and and throughout the year so that's when you know spring is when i had get a ton of tv work and then it's just pretty steady. I tend to limit it because they don't, because TV networks tend to be cheap, especially cable ones. Hmm. Some of them pay my prices, but my prices have gone up. Yeah. Um, a lot, you know, they kind of keep going up because there's a lot of demand among the entrepreneurs. And those people keep me really busy and uh, are willing to invest in anything that will help them make more money reasonably right. so so i you know sometimes it's half and half sometimes it's twenty eighty. it really shifts throughout the year
1: are you uh, so i'm guessing then you know for a while now you've been well let me ask you that at what point did it, did it shift you know most people when they start out freelancing or start a business or whatever Um, it, it's not like there's clients lined up around the block, at least in the beginning, maybe it was that way always for you. Or, um, was there a period where it was that sort of feast or famine until, until you got to the point where, you know, it's, it's steady.
0: You know, I've been really lucky to have a business that I could layer with the other business. Mm -hmm. So I had built up a pretty steady clientele of um in the in the tv world yeah and in fact in fact most of my work i'd say up through 2010 was from tv and then it was just a client here a client there who are private clients entrepreneurs small businesses yeah and i had a six-figure contract with a certain network which i won't name
1: and, and that so was that just was, one of your clients
0: that was just one of my clients, wow. and it was my biggest client, and I spent a, most of my time there. I would actually go into the office and work there. Oh,
1: okay. mm-hmm.
0: And so the other stuff was kind of just where I could fit it in, and it was gravy, money-wise. Um, I feel like a you know, six-figure contract was all I needed to pay the bills, and the other was other stuff was, yeah, as I said, gravy, icing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then this network uh, ended my contract. I'd been working with them for years and they, you know, called me in one day and said, you know, your, you know, your contract is coming up. And I thought they were going to say like, and we're gonna, you know, give you a raise. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yes. And like, and so I think this is going to be the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what <Yeah. laughs> should I, you know, go out of the, go out the door and come back in again. And can we start over please? Cause that's not what I was expecting. Uh, and so, yeah, so I, that was kind of devastating to me. I was like, wow, over a hundred thousand dollars I just lost. Yeah. Um, that was what I counted on for my steady work. I mean, for my, for my income. And I realized now I'm going to have to, I I got I'm not sure how I'm going to make up for this, whether it's going to be hustling for more TV clients or uh, private clients. But the first thing I did was put real I had didn't have real packages on my website till then. Yeah. And so I, you know, organized a page of packages and prices and how you could hire me, how you could work with me and really laid it out. And I guess I had enough people looking at my website at the time that those clients started coming.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, And I think it just, it just built up from there. I've been really fortunate to have Marie Forleo uh, include me as one of the resources in B-School. You know, they have a, they have a page of go to recommended resources Mm -hmm. and talking shrimp is one of them. And that has sent me a ton of business and a ton of word of mouth. And those people talk and, Um, and so that's, that's built up my business in a huge way.
1: What, what part of it at this point do you enjoy the most?
0: A mix. You know, I love it when I, I I've say I get a ton of clients who I, I like helping. I like anytime I can help somebody make uh, a better business and more, more money and all that. But I get a ton of clients, um, what's getting more and more challenging, a ton of clients who are life coaches or business coaches for life coaches. And I'm like running out of ways to say, level up your business or up level your life. Right. Or, um, <laughs> you know, 10x your income. Like, oh my God, I don't know how to make these promises for people anymore. Somehow I come up with a way every time. But I love it when people come to me who have a totally different business. Yeah. Like, you know, someone came to me who has a, a um, cleaning business for businesses. Like, they're, they're house cleaning, you know, right. they are housekeepers who come in and clean your office office cleaning service yeah. and she wanted fun ways to talk about her business. You know, she wanted to make the copy on her website more fun. I was like, Oh man, I get to talk about garbage. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> that was really exciting. You had to talk about dust bunnies and overflowing waste baskets and, uh, you know, yeah. Messed up bathrooms. So I love it when it's someone who has a really concrete business and it's not about improving your life or overcoming your internal blocks and your um, <laughs> your your invisible scripts and oh jesus yeah. the language of that world is just too much it's too it's so incestuous and they're oh, all crazy to each other and oh it makes me want to vomit although those clients are wonderful lovely people <laughs> but the whole <laughs> I, the whole circle jerk of it i can't take
1: no, it's totally true. I mean, that that's why my intro is the way it is. It's just mm-hmm. making fun of, you know, it's like there's so many of these, you know, entrepreneurial podcasts that come out yeah. all the time and it's all the same stuff. And, and that's why, wow. like, in my intro, I'm like, um, actually, this is about me, you know, and that's really what it's all about. I don't really care that much about people who listen, even though that's what I'm going to say and that's what everyone says. I mean, it's really just about me. And so it's a... Uh, And that's what it is for everyone. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. This, this whole online business space, like, yeah, it's exploded with like, you know, you got people graduating from college becoming life coaches and it's like, what, what, what are you exactly coaching me? I mean, like you (laughs) have, you know what I mean?
0: Exactly. Like you're still going to be out sleeping with all the wrong people and (laughs) drinking till you vomit and you haven't even made all those mistakes yet. Don't tell me you can coach me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I don't get a lot of it, but, um, but yeah. So like the, uh, what, I don't know is, is of the, what, what kind of you do the, the writing stuff, but what does that include? I mean, do you help people name their businesses or just come up Sometimes. with taglines or is, is it anything yeah. and everything?
0: It is anything and everything with words. Cause yeah. I like to play with words and those are, those are all places where people get stuck. Um, you know, from the the name, the tagline, the name of the services and products, the their their homepage, their about page, their sales page. There's or their their emails, their email sequences, or sometimes their blog posts. Not a lot of people come to me and say, "Can you help me with a blog post?" Yeah, but they should because I think your everyone's blog posts can be made so much better with a little extra help. There are a lot of rules of writing that they don't really know and aren't applying because they, maybe they were great writers in high school and got, you know, an A plus on their, you know, dissertation of To Kill a Mockingbird. But (laughs) they, but they still don't know how to excite a reader with a blog post. Yeah. How to, how to start it with a bang. So I help them with all those
1: things. I mean, speaking of the blogging, you know, I don't remember how I found your site. I found it somehow. And, and I, I just thought the the branding, the whole personal branding that you had done was was really good. And I got on the newsletter and um, all the stuff that you write for your blog. I don't think I've seen uh, a single article come to my inbox that has to do with your business. I mean, it's all like yeah. personal writing.
0: Yeah, it's barely ever about business. Once in a while, if I can come up with a great business tip that's relevant, I will. Um, I have a little bit of a conflict with my list because they they don't know we're in a conflict. But they (laughs) sign up. Then this is my fault. They sign up for my writing tips. And then, so they're interested in business, business tips. And then I want to write about what I want to write about yeah like if I have to come up, you know everybody writes the same shit about business, yeah, and it's just so boring, like I can't write it, I can't read another thing about how uh you should how the magic happens when you step out of your comfort zone, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, my God, or you know the specific stuff about business, I would kill myself if I were writing every day about how to build your list or you know, how to charge yeah. higher prices. I don't mind writing. I, I I think I could find an interesting way to write about those things, but it's not what I want to write. So I just, I just write personal stuff. And that's what I enjoy writing. And I think the people who enjoy reading it, um, <clears throat> some of them actually do get business inspiration from it because they see that your writing doesn't have to be all about business and you don't have to do the same thing that everyone else is doing and you can write about personal stuff to your list. So it works in that way.
1: Yeah. So, but I'm curious, so like, um, since you, it's not like you predominantly write about personal stuff and occasionally write the writing tip stuff. Um, of course I haven't been on your list that long. I don't remember when I first emailed you, it was a few months ago. So it was, uh, it was sometime last year around that time, when I first got on the list. But as far as I can tell, like it's all personal stuff. Like if you mm-hmm. don't mix in any of like the writing tips and stuff with it. So I'm curious to know if the audience, like, how is your list useful to you? Does, is it useful in, in bringing you clients or yeah. like wh- what is the primary, I guess, goal of your list? and it the is. Blog? I mean,
0: yeah, because I, because I don't really sell anything but my services on my site. Mm-hmm it is useful in bringing me clients. People become fans as we, as we know, and we've heard many, many, many times people, uh, people buy from you when they know, like, and trust you. So I think people really get to know me through my blog. Yeah. I mean, I put it all out there. All my failings are out there. All my, (laughs) Um, you know, how I eat my ice cream mushed up in a bowl with milk, which is kind of a poor man's milkshake, <laughs> you know, my obsession with real housewives, uh, every passive aggressive thing I do, you know, the arguments I have with people in my head, all that stuff is there for them to see. So I think they feel like they know and understand me and are in my head or they feel like I'm in their head because yeah. I say the things that they think
1: too. Have you ever had like a a client that, uh, it was like just a total misunderstanding, like, you know, like they, they thought that you were going to be different than you were, or I don't know, maybe they were more uh, serious and, and, and you were more funny and like, it just, like, it just didn't work out.
0: You know, not really because I have a, I have a work with me page on my site that tries to shoo away anybody who's like that who's expecting a really mm-hmm. earnest serious person and it's mostly to scare away the like super deep spiritual hippy dippy yeah um <laughs> airy fairy people, and there's nothing wrong with them. Some of them are great people, but my tone is not going to be right for them. I don't like to use the word abundance. I don't like to use, you know, I don't like to say like, increase your vibration or any of that stuff. Once in a while, I'll work with someone. Someone will like that. Like I say on my site, if, you know, if your profile pic is a photo of you hugging a tree, if your email signature sign off is blessings, um, I forget what else I have. I said, then we're not a fit. And so those people know like, okay, we're not, she's not for me. Um, once in a while, someone will say, like, I just got a client inquiry saying, you know, I signed my emails blessings. Can we still work together? If you still want to work with me after I said that, sure. But I'm not, you know, as long as you're happy that I'm not going to use that kind of language.
1: Yeah. So like the, the, the type of projects that you do, um, like I'm trying to is it uh do you do I was going to say do you do any serious stuff but that sounds negative <laughs> like 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 I'm criticizing you which I don't mean it that way but you know what I'm saying like do you is most of the work you do are for companies or b- that are building brands that are trying to be um more tongue in cheek and humorous like like you are or do you still do that other kind of writing for you know like the serious company or law firm or whatever.
0: Right. No, I don't, I don't do any writing that is corporate or buttoned up. I, I am your best bet when you want your writing to be, when you want the copy to be conversational, maybe breezy, relatable, um, and not too serious. If you want something buttoned up and formal and corporate, I'm not your girl because I, I like to write you know, my specialty is making it relatable and personable and it doesn't have to be funny, but it has to be compelling and personable and have a little bit of edge to it. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. To, to you know, I like copy that people look at and say, I didn't know you could write that on a business.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. That's what um I, I have a, a, a course like everyone Um <laughs> I'm trying to, finish and sell and it's about podcasting and my main headline on the page is uh how do you make a podcast that's the shit and not just shit and
0: Ah, i love
1: that and yeah i i as soon as i wrote that down i was like that's it you know that's that's that that is what that's what i'm trying to convey the attitude of this course this is why it's different than other podcasting courses out there but i did have a number of people say you know, you shouldn't use the language on the page because you're going to turn off like this whole audience of yeah, people. Good. And yeah, exactly. I was like, that's fine. Cause I don't want, you know, if, if they're why, why get them in there and then they're just going to be offended once they're in. So.
0: Exactly. So yeah. Let them know like that's your sign outside that says yeah. cursing <laughs> happens in here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, man. Come in. Yeah, I know. Well, so, um, what, what's, who's your favorite writer? I'm just curious.
0: No, I have lots of favorites. Do you mean um, in terms of books?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, okay. I guess yeah. maybe like a pre question writing? to that is <laughs> like, are you um, are you a big reader at this point in your life?
0: Not as big as I want to be. I love reading. It's I can't just pick up any book and um, stick with it. Yeah. it has to be. It has to have a special kind of compelling start to it. I have a hard time working through when someone says stick with it. Yeah. you know, it gets good. That's tough for me. Uh, I'd say like my favorite reading experiences of all time include The Corrections by Jonathan Franzen,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides, <laughs> um, which I, I mean, I just love those. Those are, those are two that I always want to read again for the first time. And I'm waiting. No, I'm totally. waiting until my memory is completely gone so that I can do that.
1: Which is coming. I mean, this gives me hope because we have the exact same taste. So I Mm. think, you know, maybe one day I will actually be a decent writer. But uh, (laughs) yeah, like Jonathan Franzen, you know. So good. um, Michael Chabon, you know, all those those that crew are just like my favorite. They just write these sentences that like, I don't know if you're this way. I just sit there and read that same sentence over and over again. It's like, how did they do that? You know, it's just the most perfect sentence, you know, and then I yeah have to make money, so i right. uh, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> i I, right. go, I go back to work and and shelve the the writer dream you know for later but is is that still in there anywhere? Do you still have like this someday I'm gonna write this you know that type of thing like a some sort of novel or something and be praised you know or whatever for that or you yeah,
0: know yeah, kind of i mean I would love to have a book out there. Yeah. I kind of, I really like writing short things. It's not what I love to read. I love to read a long novel. Like the longer, the better. Um, I, I want it. To, I want to be obsessed with it. I want to be lost in it. I want to not leave my house till I'm done with it. I want that feeling when I read. But when I write, I like writing short things. I'm not mm-hmm. very good. I don't consider myself good at a long story arc. Yeah. And that that kind of intricacy. So I would love it if my blog posts... There's some form of them were gathered into a book. I love David Sedaris. That's kind of my oh
2: totally. my writing yeah.
0: my writing hero um, for my personal brand. I feel like that's the kind of writing that I could do to flatter myself.
1: Yeah. Did Did you ever get into any of uh, David Rakoff's books? No. Do you know David Rakoff?
0: I know the name, and I I feel like it's someone that I've picked up and not read.
1: Well, what? I mean, he's in the same group. Well, he he passed away um, a year or two ago, I think. Um, he wasn't old. I mean, he was in his fifties, but he had cancer, and he, he was in oh, the yeah he, yeah he's in the same kind of crew as David Sedaris and Hourglass mm-hmm. and This American Life, and you know he was he was part of all that. But he he wrote. Um, how do I put it? It's like if 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 you kind of mixed some of, like, Michael Chabon with David Sedaris, you know, so you got yeah. that same really kind of brutal, witty humor, but his style of writing was, um, he just had a way of, like, writing in this sort of highbrow way, but making fun of it at the same time. I don't know. Uh-huh. You know, he, right. he'd have sentences that would go on for a paragraph, you know, like that kind of writer. And yeah. he only has a couple of books out, but they're, you know, they're all personal essay style stuff and they're all hilarious. You know I mean? He's most of his stuff was written for like the New Yorker or, you know, New York magazine, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I saw, I'm now, now it's coming back. I saw a lot of people in that community mourning him right after he got like a lot of stuff on Facebook and um, I've never read him, but maybe I will.
1: Yeah. See, that's what I always wanted to do was to do that, that personal essay thing. And Mm -hmm. when I was in college, I did some of it and, You know there's that whole crowd when I was in journalism and working you know for newspapers and magazines everyone wanted to be a novelist or you know the the humor humor essay or like the whole quote you know new journalism um from a couple decades ago and uh and now now I'm not in like the journalism scene anymore there's this whole online space all these bloggers but none of them um I feel like like none of them have those aspirations, those, those deep aspirations to like, quote, be a real writer whatever that means, you know? And, yeah. um, I don't know. It's just a different, it seems like this, uh, online business writing, it's, it's more, um, I, I don't know how to put it. I don't even know. I don't even <laughs> know what I'm asking you. It's but, focused
0: in a very different way. Like the yeah. whole online business writing, they all talk about delivering value, delivering massive yeah. value, which is a phrase I can't stand anymore. Uh <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And it's not it's not really about being writerly. It's about engaging an audience, getting them to take massive action.
1: Um, I guess what I'm saying is talking to you, I feel like you you seem to like you have that like you have some of that writerly stuff, as you said, going on. And and I just wondered if there's any of that in there that, you know, you know, like maybe someday, like you said, you're going to you're going to do something in a, in a book, whether it's fiction or like personal essay type stuff, or, or if you're really like happy and focused and satisfied with like the marketing kind of writing that you do a lot of.
0: No, I mean, that's why I have a blog really is to get me to, to force me to, um, do that kind of writing that I love that really does make me happy. Yeah. That's, that's what I like writing and the fact that I've built an audience for it. And it's not necessarily what everybody's looking for, but I, I have an audience who really likes it and demands it of me. So that keeps me writing it. Yeah. Um, and that's the only, you know, the only way in which it really is marketing writing is that it draws people to me and, who become clients and that I've created an online audience that um, that I guess keeps it going. The, the accountability, yeah. the pressure forces me to write. So I think what I was example.
1: trying to ask you is mm-hmm. like, if you, if you think you will ever do something that's not so, client stuff, you know, you're, like you're trying to
0: get me to commit to a book right now. <laughs> Are you offering me a book contract?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I do. Yes, absolutely. I, I would like to do stuff that is not client based stuff. I mean, writing a book is, I think, a, maybe a hellish process. But yeah. It would be a great thing to have to my name. It is it's definitely I have aspirations or dreams or hopes of that. I would love to write uh you know, maybe a TV pilot and yet I don't necessarily want to work in the TV business in that capacity because it's tough, yeah. but I love TV and I love, you know, watching things and think, I I think all the time I wish I had thought of that or wish i had created that. And I love writing dialogue. And, um, so yeah, creating for the sake of creating just entertainment or yeah. literature or some form of that, um, is definitely a dream of mine.
1: I wonder like how, how, how tangible or real it is for you like for me it's you know it's something i've wanted to do since i was a kid but i've just accepted the fact that i'm probably never gonna do it you know it's just like i don't have it you know maybe someday it'll it'll kick in and i will suddenly be a writer i don't know but um it's just one of those things it's like yeah i've always wanted to do that but i just don't have whatever whatever kind of um what do you call it uh Stick stick intuitiveness, you know, yeah, just you know, I can't, I'm not going to be able to, you know, go through what what you know these great novelists or and not even novelists, but people like David Sedaris, these great essayists, you know, go through to actually get that out. But for you, like, is it something that feels like, yeah, this this, this will happen someday? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I I think it is. It is definitely. Um, I mean, maybe that that's part of my problem is that I always think things will happen yeah. rather than saying, I have to make this happen. Yeah. I have this feeling like it's going to happen, yeah. but I do, I feel like it is. So yeah. I, I do. I'm my big hope. This is my, my master plan is that the copy cure, which is a product I'm creating with Marie Forleo and releasing, this is going to be my first mm-hmm. actual leveraged venture Where, you know, you do the work up front and then you get, as they call it, passive income. I don't know how passive it'll be. I'm sure there'll (laughs) be a lot of maintenance to do. But I'm really hoping that that gives me the freedom to work more on my blog and just create, just do more writing and maybe work on a book.
1: Well, because your blog is like, you know, we've mentioned David Sedaris several times, but that's kind of, you know, all the articles. You could almost just collect some blog articles. I mean, I mean, that's essentially... The type of stuff that you write on your blog.
0: Right, right. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, I mean, there's a thematic thing that I, on most Wednesdays, though I haven't in the past month or so, most Wednesdays I do a Wayback Wednesday, which is usually about growing up in New York City. Yeah. And so that might be a theme in itself, or it might just be random personal stuff. Yeah. Um, But definitely I've had people who have connections say, you know, we want to help you work on a book. So I do feel like it, it might happen. I might have to do some work to make it happen, but yeah. I think it's out there. Yeah.
1: So the, the copy Cure thing, um, I remember you emailing me about that or I got, or I mean, I was on the list. So mm-hmm. I, I think I, got, I heard something about that. So this is a, like, tell me what this is. This is a course of like teaching people about copywriting.
0: Exactly. It is an online based copywriting course. And there are a lot of copywriting courses out there. I really feel like ours is the ultimate course <laughs> for helping you. I really do for helping you find your voice. It's a huge problem for people, um, whether they're beginners or, or they've been copywriting for a long time. There are a lot of templates out there and formats, and formulas, and tips, um, for copy that converts copy that sells right. and people don't want to do it the old school way anymore they don't want it to be cheesy. They don't want it to be salesy. They don't want it to come across as bombastic. They want to put their personality into it Yeah. and make it feel real, feel like them. And so we really dig into how to do that. We don't just say, give yourself permission to use your voice. Or, yeah. You know, we don't just say, write like you talk. We give you actual techniques.
1: So is that, is that the that. focus of the course is the is, is focused on the like the voice stuff?
0: It really is i mean it's it's focused on great writing writing that connects from the heart and <clears throat> um, and cuts through the noise and converts so we're we're giving you techniques to make your writing more compelling yeah. um, more readable readable online more engaging to give people a reason to share it and to click on it um, but fundamentally it really is about how to put you into it and make it less cliche and make it less douchey and make it copycat proof. Yeah. That to me is good, is good writing, especially online.
1: Yeah. the, The copycat proof thing that that's, uh, yeah, that, uh, that sounds good. Is it within the scope of this conversation to, uh, you know, I guess, say something about that, um, discovering your voice kind of thing, uh, or is it just, it's not possible within a minute or two to say, you know, here, here are some ways that you do that. This is what we're teaching kind of thing.
0: Um, no, I, I would say that, you know, the top ways, I think my, the most important tips we give are one, well, one's a really easy one. And I always give this, because it's such a simple tweak and people don't realize they can use it and they don't, it doesn't occur to them is use contractions. You know, the combo words that are like, don't won't aisle wheel, right. you know, words that use the apostrophe. They don't do that. They think that when they're writing online, we talked about this before, they think that they confuse professional with corporate, right? They think that it has to be formal and buttoned up and that they have to say, you know, hello, I am Laura Belgray. <laughs> yeah. So now I sound like a complete robot or telemarketer Yeah. or, you know, robocaller. Um, it's, I'm Laura Belgray. You'd say I'm, so, you know, when you use that, get to work using that apostrophe in your writing, it right. loosens up a lot and sounds a lot more like you. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> so that's a simple one. And then one that takes a lot more, um, work and playing around with is using specific concrete details instead of, instead of just vague squishy cliches. So people will say things like, you know, they'll tell their story and they'll say, I was in a dark place, perhaps the darkest (laughs) place of my life. And I'm like, well, what does that look like? Can you paint a picture? You know, does that mean that you were in a darkened room with the curtains closed? Um, or does that mean that you were on the, you know, on the floor, um, in three day sweatpants, eating (laughs) Doritos, um, like Dorito crumbs from the bag and, uh, repeatedly Googling, you know, Facebook stalking your ex. Yeah. So painting a picture with details is the best way to give your writing a voice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's really true. I've, I've always just kind of, I don't know. I don't think I'm a good writer, but I've always kind of done that stuff just because that's just how I, I've always written like I talked. In other words, I know you said that that's, you know, kind of one of the cliche things that people tell other people to do, but that's just, you know, I don't know another way to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you were probably told that you weren't a good writer by some English teacher or something because you wrote like you talked. Is that not
1: true? uh, When I say that I'm not a good writer, I, I think that I can, I can craft a good like sentence it's not that it's not that it's it's the idea it's like you talked about writer's block we didn't really talk about that at all but I just have a hard time um you know the joke you know I've tried to be a blogger about 20 times in the last 10 years and it it always you know I feel like I have about four decent articles in me a year you know it's just when it hits me and I have something to say then it just it spills out and And it's great and everyone loves it. But when I run out of something to say, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, you know, somehow force it, you know, once those four articles are written, I don't have anything for 12 more months, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And that doesn't make you, um, less of a good writer. It just makes you like, it just means that you, you're not forcing yourself to write about nothing, which is kind of what you have to do when you run out of ideas, like (laughs) I will, I mean, I went through a period of writing every single day for about three months or a little more. It was something I decided to commit to because I I would go through periods of writing once a month and then writing once every three months. And then every time I wrote a blog post, I would have to say, oh, sorry, I haven't been around for a while. That's really embarrassing, which is so unnecessary. So I forced myself to write for every, every day. I was actually inspired by Seth Godin, who you've had on your show. He yeah. was saying everybody should blog every day and nobody, you know, nobody has nothing to say.
3: Right.
0: Even when you think you have nothing to say. So my technique then, and it was hard. Um, every every morning I'd wake up thinking, I have nothing to say today. What am I going to write about? And what I would do if I had nothing is I would think, what am I, what would I write in an email to a friend who said, what's going on? Maybe it would be nothing, but if I had, you know. I have no problem writing an email to a friend ever. Even if I have nothing to say, I have something to say about having nothing to say, yeah. you know? So, I mean, whether it's about like how I did the same thing that I do every single day and what that consists of, you know, I've written I've written about my morning routine of like going to, you know, walking around the block, picking up my watermelon chunks at Cinderella, <laughs> getting my iced coffee. I've written about, you know, my imaginary fight in my head with the guy in my gym who can insist on playing smooth jazz on the TV. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And every time I think, okay, maybe this blog post is only going to be a sentence. I don't think I have more than a sentence in me. It always turns into a full post way longer than I wanted it to be. In fact. Yeah. So I think, you know, I would challenge you to start blogging about nothing. (laughs) People like reading it. They like, you know, if you, especially there's, if you're the kind of person who always has some kind of conflict in the day, whether it's just buried, whether it's just in your head, conflict with yourself, some sort of struggle, you can always write about that and people like reading it.
1: Yeah. I kind of, it's interesting though, that I I struggle to do that with writing, but I can do that with the, with the podcasting. I I don't know why. I mean, that's how this whole show came about was just being like, you know, fuck it. I'm tired of trying to, you know. Make something that people will like, and and I just started talking about my never-ending existential crises, you know, which has been going on for twenty years and still hasn't found any resolution. And yeah. and, the, and and that's you know, uh, people seem to like that, but but it yeah. never, it never ends. I feel like after you know, months go by, it's like, you know, the, you know, Adam, you got to progress. You got to you know, like something has to happen. You know, it's just, but every day it's just the same you know, why am I here? You know, stuff. (laughs) Right.
0: Right, But you find a different way to say it all the time and you have different guests on. And who's to say that um, talking it out loud is any less of a thing than writing it, than typing it. Sure. And publishing it in text form. Who's to say that you're not writing by having your by having this podcast
1: oh uh, this is getting really philosophical now
0: right I don't know.
1: <laughs> are we even having a conversation right now
0: <laughs> i don't know who's to say that we're not who says we are
1: well, I, well so uh, the the whole course thing when does that or is that something you're going to advertise yes. from your site or is that are, or is marie going to do most of that or how's that going to work
0: we're going to do it together. It'll be on both of our sites. It, it um, already has a site of its own, but it's it's on my site now. The copy cure. There's a, a thing in my in the sidebar and it's in my resources page. You can sign up now and you'll be so you're on the first to know list. Yeah. And you'll get we send out. I don't know if you're on that list. We send out um, some great writing tips by email every couple of days or weeks. I'm not sure. We, I, I think we have a sequence of about eight of them and they're all great. People love them. I got to say, I'm kind of, when I, when I reread them, I'm like, damn, that's good. That should be the course right there. Why are we making this whole course? We just what, sent out a course.
1: Is, is the course done or is it like, uh, are you still working on it?
0: Still working on it. We've created just about all of the content and we have, st- we still have to produce it. We have to record it um, do videos and all that stuff. So that's a big yeah. production and these things take a lot longer than I thought.
1: Oh, and totally. Yeah. I, that, yeah. And like mine. <laughs> uh, I just, mine launched a, a week, um, little over a week ago, but it's still sort of a beta launch cause it's still not complete yet. And I thought I was going to like whip this thing out in like two yeah. months and it's just, um, and I probably could have if I wasn't so, uh, distracted by, you know, the, the, the never ending self doubt stuff that we talked about a minute ago, but it's, it's, it's taken, yeah, it takes a long time. So I'm guessing, uh, do you guys have a, have, are you like setting a date or is it just, we're you know, trying. whenever we finish it, we're going to, yeah,
0: it's kind of because, you know, I, I keep pushing for a date, um, Marie pushes back. And so we, we don't know how long it's going to take to make this. Cause we haven't, we're doing it in a new form. It's not the same way she does B school. It's not the same way she does Marie TV. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're aiming for late spring. We're aiming for, you know, late May, early June, but we can't commit to a, a date.
1: Oh, so soon though. I mean, it's not soon. like it's, not it's like six soon. or nine yeah. months away though. So, okay. Cool.
0: I say that. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: it better not be. No, it, it's, it's been, you know, a few years in the making now. So wow. is, I'm very excited to get it out there.
1: People what? really want it. What are your hopes with this? Like uh, with the course, um, we talked about it a little bit there, but are you hoping to scale back on the client work with this? Or or is there any specific goal you have for this thing?
0: Yeah, I would, you know, I would love to take on fewer clients and just give them more of me. I mean, I give a lot to every client. It's really, writing is really time consuming. Yeah. And so I like, I love the quickie one-offs. Like I would love, my big hope is that people will take this course and then want to do an hour with me to go over their writing and Mm -hmm. see how we can apply it to their writing, how we can make it even better. Um, and do an hour on the phone. I love consulting like that. Yeah. I'm really great at rewriting people's copy and you know, we'll give them full day and it's a, it's a lot. It means that I, you know, I'd, so I'd love to do these just one hour things with people and mix in some TV writing, you know, maybe one thing a week. I'm hoping that this will provide enough steady income that I can relax about it and not fill up my time with clients. I want to like, I want to work on my blog more.
1: Yeah, definitely. Do you do do a lot of the one hour uh, stuff now?
0: I do, but people, a lot more people want the full day, Mm. which is a great, you know, it's a luxury problem, but I don't have that many full days to give. Yeah. And it usually spills over into another day because I, you know, will have a really intense session on the phone. And then, you know, my plan is, is always to just get right to work and do their, co- you know, work on their copy for the next four hours. Um, but I usually need a break and usually have to spill it over to the next day. So it's.
1: If you were going to do like a one hour with someone, you know, in this online business space, whether they're a coach or they're selling a product or they're trying to build passive income or build a list or whatever, you know, this sort of content marketing thing, if you're going to do a one hour with someone, what would you feel like is the most important thing? You know, if they said, you tell me what's the most important. Th-, and I know that would be different for yeah. everyone, but just in general, what it would really you would say is probably the most important thing to focus on?
0: I would say most, most often I would say, let's look at your homepage. Mm-hmm. Let's see if it's talent. Let's see if it is clear and compelling and, um, and shows who you are and shows people immediately whether this is the place for them. Mm-hmm. That that's where I would focus first. Cause it's, you know, that's your storefront. Sure. Right there. That and makes sense. It,
1: yeah. I mean, a lot of people just have their blog as their homepage, but like you, you don't do that though i noticed you know your your landing your homepage is yeah. is more of a sales page
0: yeah it is because i i think if the if the blog were if the blog were really a business blog yeah um then people would know immediately when it, you know and it were the first the homepage people would be able to see okay she talks about you know copywriting she talks about subject lines she talks about this she's a copywriter yeah but since it's more like you know, um, the plate of spaghetti that landed in my lap, yeah. uh, that kind of writing, <laughs> yeah. they, they would be very confused. It doesn't fit for my homepage.
1: Yeah. That's one thing. I, that's just one thing I love about it. And I'm fascinated with is you've been able to mix that. Cause I've, I've never yeah. figured out kind of how to mix the, the personal and, you know, cause I'm the same way, you know, I mean, we're all fairly self interested. Obviously I would r- much rather just talk or write about myself all the time than, anyone else's stuff but um you know i don't know how to make money doing that so (laughs) (laughs) right
0: and yet you are you know it's gonna it's gonna go in that direction um i people say you hear a lot in this business like people don't care about you don't talk about yourself talk about them yeah but that's not always true people do care about you if they relate to you yeah they want to hear you know if you were able to achieve something if like if you consider yourself uh you know, a slacker and a loser and a deadbeat, and we're able to become a huge success. They want to hear about that. Um, you know they they it's entertainment and it's inspiration. People like that,
1: yeah, definitely. I've always gotten slack for uh, like the self deprecation like it's too much. I'll get emails saying like you know, Adam, it's just enough is enough, you know like you like people will email me concerned. Like, you know, they're <laughs> right. like they're like are like you know you're so down on yourself all the time and I am and I'm not it's just that's the the, the funny I mean that's just my brand of humor is that sort of self-deprecating um you know because I mean uh, yeah you know what I'm saying
0: I like that no I am I'm the same way like I am down on myself in a very cheery way Like, no, I don't. I don't need help. I really like complaining about myself. And I I really like my comfort zone. I enjoy it very much. I don't need your help getting out of it. (laughs) Love it there. I love my sweatpants.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's great. Well, uh, I wish uh, um, uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's uh, I've wanted to talk to you for a while. Like I said, I really enjoy your newsletter. And um, I'm I'm glad that we were able to finally do this. and, And thanks for taking the time to do it.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It was fun.
1: Well, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Laura, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Had a lot of fun with that one. Hopefully we can do a number two sometime. If you enjoyed this show, uh, I mean, we're at episode 46, so there's there's quite a few episodes in the catalog which you can check out at avclark.com if you enjoy this show if you like the gently mad i would really appreciate a rating and review in itunes that is one of the number one ways that other people can find this show and i'm trying to uh grow trying to grow the audience that i have so if you feel like doing that for me i would appreciate it couple other things you can do or tell people about it if you like it and you can also uh, support the show got a handful of people that are doing that supporting the show financially and that means a lot to me as well so if you want to do that go to avclark.com support support the show we're on twitter facebook you can search find it i don't think i need to give you all those details here but i really do appreciate you listening And, uh, all the show notes, the links we mentioned in this show are going to be at avclark.com slash 46. So be sure and check them out. All right. Okay. Well, like I said, thanks for listening. Have a great Monday and I'll see you next time. I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, That's sort of how many words am
3: I at?